0: Welcome
1: she just wanted to tip no advice on the side of the road with some word the dice? if they catch us because we all gonna die yo, yo. welcome to poor together the Truth of Three where can't and have. their lives can't let them have and start getting real I'm Eric easy tell them papito daddy
0: to come down the DMV's finest Mansell's finest Freshersburg's finest Charlottes finest Dewey Beach's finest Brock Road Elementary class of
1: 06 valedictoria all that This is going to be weird. Just going to say it. Paige is not here right now. She should hopefully be here in this next clip. We got an interview. Um, People didn't think it was going to happen. There was a lot of controversy. um, But, of course, we made it happen. We have the one and only Brian Krug on the podcast. Interview coming. No big deal.
0: They kept doubting us. They kept saying it can't be done. They kept saying he's never been on a podcast. Well, we fucking
1: got him. So, um. I guess just sit back. We're gonna go to that, and we'll see you guys in a little bit. A few moments later, and we are live. We are back. Um, We got a special guest here. I'm not gonna do the intro as called dibs. So as take it away. I did call
0: dibs. I would like to first mention that we do not have Paige Lee. She will be down in Florida helping out her grandparents. Keep the grandparents and her in your prayers. With that being said, we do like Eric said, have a special guest today the one and only Brian Krug, Camp Director of Canadensis. Um, he's really what brought us all together. So we'll pass to Brian and let you introduce yourself, maybe wow. tell your title, what you've been getting into the last couple of years, and how you met me and Eric, or how yeah, you hired well, me and a, Eric.
2: I am super thrilled. Thank you so so much for that introduction to, to join you, gentlemen. Uh, I am Brian Krug. I'm one of the directors of Camp Canadensis, located in the uh, – Pocono Mountains of Pennsylvania. been doing this for quite some time and uh, ready to kick off what is going to be what we're billing as the bestest summer ever. Unfortunately, last summer we were not able to open with this global pandemic, but we are full steam ahead, looking to create one hell of a great summer for uh, our campers and staff this year. And yeah, I guess I am sort of indirectly responsible for uh, you guys being able to meet at some point uh, back in summer 2016 or is that or it was 16 2016 right yes sir uh where uh you know we are very proud to say that we have a staff population that comes from all over the world uh not just the continent of the united states but england australia new zealand uh and in that summer 2016 i think your friendship started very early and is. Obviously maintained ever since. So it's uh, one of the many benefits. Uh, uh, Friends remain friends for, you're always camp friends. Uh, And then, you know, uh, even after camp, uh, those relationships stay strong. So great to be a part of this Porch Talk episode. Thank you for letting me uh, join it. Uh, I was very flattered when I got Ezra's email.
1: It's really our honor. I mean, this is is big time guest. Uh, (laughs) Big time guest. I mean, I think the first thing that I want to ask you is, even before we were at camp, even before you were at camp, I know you went to camp as a kid and that kind of stoked the fires for you, but when did you really decide that, you know, working at a camp full-time is what you wanted to do? Um,
2: so, uh, that's a great question. So, uh, essentially, I was the child who went to camp at a very young age. I started finishing second grade, so I was seven years old. I went to a camp in the Catskills uh, of New York, a great place called Camp Sequoia. Made some of the best friends in the world as a child there and continued on as a counselor. A lot of the campers became counselors. But uh, between my junior and senior year of college, my parents used the phrase, you need to get a real job this summer, like an (laughs) internship or something like that, which I was like, uh, you know, and, and I realized that I knew I wanted to work with kids. And that summer I had searched for some internships that were still very much youth related. But uh, I was I went to school for communications and I actually thought at the time that the dream job would have been something like working for like Nickelodeon or something like that. Mm. Um, So that summer I kind of started research or that year I started researching internships, called the camp director to let him know that I was not coming back and he said to me if you come back this summer after you graduate your senior year i will have a full time job for you at wow. camp and i thought he was pulling my leg at the time to be honest and i i actually asked him to put it in writing because <laughs> i didn't want i just you know like it was hey did i want to be back at camp this summer of course but if he was going to throw out a full time job I can at least turn it around and turn to my parents who said, look, I got a real job. (laughs) And I ended up coming back that summer. And after graduating my senior year of college, uh, I already had a job lined up. So essentially, I went to college my entire senior year, knowing that I already had a job lined up, uh, which was great. So it was sort of a fluke is the best way I would kind of put it. Um, but it, it, it has worked and ever since I've made camping, uh, actually my career, it's been amazing.
1: And now I'm assuming you just kind of worked your way up through the ladder of it. Cause I mean, you we if you go to camp, you see a lot of that, the more you come back, the higher positions you'll get, you'll go from like regular counselor, group leader, maybe like a division leader, that kind of stuff. So I'm assuming yep. that's kind of the way you went about it.
2: Yeah, um, I think, you know, again, I I was sort of homegrown. You know, the camp that I grew up at was the camp I started working at. So I obviously had, you know, made a little bit of a name for myself within my own camp. Um, Interestingly enough, I was only at that camp full time for three and a half, four years, um, and then ended up applying to other camps and found a different camp in Pennsylvania, where uh, I formally took on the role of assistant director at a different sleepaway camp in Pennsylvania. Um, And then after that, uh, I was at that camp for nine years. And sort of how I got to Canadensis, maybe this was a question you were going to eventually ask. Mm -hmm. It was sort of another fluke. Um, Somebody through the network of camping said, Canadensis is looking for a new director, would you be interested? And I wasn't really looking for anything. But Canadensis was very similar to the camp that I grew up at and it was a natural fit. So yeah, sort of went from a year-round full-time position at the camp I grew up at to a second camp in Pennsylvania as an assistant director to going to Canadensis as a director. So it didn't work my way up over the course of what ended up being maybe 13, 14, 15 years.
1: Wow, it's impressive. It's a very interesting kind of bouncing around story.
2: But there's no, there's no, uh, there's no camp after this one. This is the final uh, resting place, as I say, because, uh, interestingly enough, my daughters are on the verge of being camp age themselves, so this is where they view themselves as campers. Uh, maybe as as soon as summer twenty twenty two.
0: Wow, really? Yeah. Um, you mentioned uh that there was no camp twenty twenty. Uh, we can circle back to that. The start I wanted to get into my big question. What will camp really look like in 2021? With COVID uh, still being on the horizon, well, the COVID is still here a little. It's starting to die down. Vaccines are coming. So what will will camp look like 2021?
2: Well, as I've been saying, uh, summer 2021 will be the bestest summer ever. As you gentlemen know, we always try to build the summer as the best summer ever. Uh, So since we didn't have it last year, we had to find a superlative that was better than best. So <laughs> 2021 will be the bestest summer ever. And I really think it's the most needed thing that these kids need and the counselors need right now, uh, just in everybody's lives. Um, but in terms of what it's going to look like, uh, it will have some certain subtle differences more at the beginning of the summer, Ezra, to answer your question. OK. Um, Our plan is to create what Disney World did last year for the NBA. That was going to be
1: my question. Are you doing a bubble?
2: Yeah, we're doing a, a, you know, I like to use the term modified bubble, um, you know, or controlled environment. But, uh, you know, essentially, yeah, it's going to be that bubble idea where we are going to essentially over test everybody at the beginning. Um, You know, in fact, all campers and staff will have a test uh, several days before even coming to camp. They will have multiple tests on the first day of camp. And they will have several tests within their first week at camp. And then by the end of all that testing, um, our idea is to get back to the Canadensis that everybody knows and loves, which doesn't include masks, um, which includes different age groups, you know, mingling with each other and having that experience where, as you know, we have siblings of different ages and genders who see each other throughout the course of the day. So once we know that we have controlled the environment to the point we want to get down to that Canadensis that everybody knows and loves, including that morning lineup where we used to even see Ezra shaking his booty uh, on the morning lineup page, you know. So uh, you know that's what, what that's what the plan is: is to mitigate it really strongly at the beginning, get to the point where we know we've done everything that we need to do, and then open up the doors of camp for everybody.
1: So my question, okay. which I had just thought about before we had started recording actually, was if I were a staff member, I'm assuming if you guys are operating under the bubble, there's got to be some type of modification to off days because I, you can't just let people go wherever they want, travel to New York for a day, then come back. That's just, that's too risky. And there's too many X factors with that.
2: That is uh, correct. Um so uh, in the same vein that, uh, uh, that my wife tells me, happy wife, happy life, uh, I think that motto at camp is happy staff will make happy campers. So I definitely think one of our top priorities this summer is the staff morale, the happiness of our staff. In fact, uh, our assistant director, Carly, uh, has been assigned this daunting task of keeping our staff happy because one of the things is they are not going to be uh, <laughs> off campus on their time off. Uh, as you gentlemen know, staff get a period off, uh, maybe three to four nights off each week, uh, five days off over the course of the summer, plus a, you know an afternoon off during staff training. All of that time off is still happening, but it will be restricted to remaining on our campgrounds, which in its own right is very much a challenge. Um, but we are doing things to Um, open up the the bubble a little bit, if you want to call it that. Um, For starters, um, we have uh, uh, purchased or rented an Airbnb for staff to go off on their days off, which will be an expanded part of the bubble. Uh, So staff will have that opportunity on their days off and nights off to go to a place where they can go sleep without being bothered by the campers the next morning. Um, and we're even going to create a nightlife scene for staff on our facility as well. Um, so these are things that staff might typically do in their time off, off our facility, and they can still do that some even on our facility now.
0: Okay. I have a follow-up question, and it is a genuine question, <laughs> even though it is coming from me. Because we know everybody who's ever been to Canada Dances as a staff worker Knows the poorhouse is the hangout spot, Mm -hmm. and we're all adults, and we all know to drink responsibly because we got kids we come back to. Mm -hmm. When you said creating a nightlife, will there be a chance to, after a long, hot day coaching football all day (laughs) on my off night, will I be allowed to get a summer shandy and have a beer and relax?
2: As long as you are of the legal drinking age, yes, that's a game changer. Okay.
0: When you were talking about this at first, I was like, I don't know if I'd want to because the off days and off nights were it. But if that's still allowed, if you're over 21, I could work with that.
2: So I will say it this way, too, Ezra, because you know what? uh, I've had a lot of staff who are also shocked by this decision of ours. Um, It's something that, as you know me, it's not something that I obviously would necessarily want at camp, but I know we need it at camp. Uh, and again, it really goes back to the point that, um, the staff do work long days. That's what you just mentioned a moment ago. And we need to put things in place that are going to keep them happy, keep the morale high. And again, to your point, uh, I've always felt like the staff have done a responsible job when it came to their night off. So I am extending that trust to it being done on campus this year. Um, and even though, like I said, it might not be something that I really want to happen at camp, it needs to happen at camp. And knowing that we were doing this, I've resigned myself to the fact that we're good and we're, we're going to have yeah. a thing in place that are going to keep staff really, you know, motivated each day.
1: It's going to be okay. like a, a I have one staff more. canteen kind of thing. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it, it's going to be interesting.
0: <laughs> I have one more question because you mentioned Carly's got the daunting task of keeping up staff morale Mm -hmm. with both me and Eric and you yourself also having worked at a camp. I think we all know how daunting of a task that is. What are some things off the top of your head you think can help with staff morale or help encourage staff morale? Because the first few weeks are easy. Once you get into week six, seven, eight, that's when it can start to take a little toll on you.
2: So, you know, I, I think that, you know, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I think, you know, right around that visiting day mark, um, you know, it does take it, it, does start to wear down on you. In fact, uh, we always used to make the joke we can always tell who worked pre camp uh, by that time, too, because they were at camp for even a longer stay than the, the two of you gentlemen. Um, you know, one of the things that we've been talking a, a, a lot about over the last few weeks is really coming up with a level of staff programming. That, you know, I love the fact that we have 250 plus staff who have a lot of talents that extend well beyond the skill sets that they teach at camp. You know, we actually have hired a few people uh, this summer who are hairdressers and beauticians um, who are volunteering their services to, you know, even just give people like new haircuts over the course of the summer uh, or kind of create, you know, Do makeovers not something that maybe Eric Pacheco would be into getting a makeover while at camp, but there could very well be plenty of people. You know, even things like um, you know uh, now nowadays. What I don't know what they call it. They call it like uh, people take those art classes that are accompanied by a glass of wine, like a sip and paint.
1: Yeah, sip and paint
2: kind of things. Those are things that we could potentially be looking into, which I think again will help with the morale. Uh, and again, make use of like the staff talents and really give it back to the staff. And, you know, truth be told, I think we do a lot of great things at Canada and says there have been times where we made efforts to try to do a lot of the staff programming at night. And for one reason or another, maybe hasn't gotten to the level that I had hoped for this year with the fact that staff have to remain on camp. I think it's not going to compete with other even trips to Walmart. Mm. You know, the staff <laughs> are going to be on camp. so things like Running five-on-five basketball at night, I think, is going to be a regular thing. Having nighttime pool parties, you know, in the staff pool or the the blue pool, the the boys' pool, I mean. Blue pool, right? We call it the blue pool. Um, You know, those things are going to be a regular thing. Even opening up, like, the climbing wall at night can be things that we do. So all those things are on the agenda. You know, obviously, increasing things like the Wi-Fi. A little change that we've made over the last few years, we've increased the Wi-Fi capacity so people can have more Wi-Fi access will be uh, things that we're going to do to you know, help the staff as well.
1: Wow, I didn't even, I really forgot for a second because, I mean, we were talking about the poor house and I was like, man, those trips to like Walmart or even to like Wendy's to get a four for four, it's going to be tough to miss yep. out on. Ooh.
2: We're, 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 you know, the food's important too. And you know what? You just reminded me like food is, is a big thing. Um, we're essentially going to be creating a fourth meal every day, specifically for staff. Um, sort of a midnight snack or like 10 o'clock snack where we're going to be bringing in food essentially every night for the staff as well. Cause you know, you know, Ezra doesn't miss those four for four either. I do not. <laughs> you know, he, he, he was on top of it. Had to stay on top of it.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I had a question cause you know, you brought up pre-camp post-camp and I was actually talking to, a friend of the podcast, our international correspondent, Will Spencer, about these kind of things. Uh,
0: yes, sir. Like, are,
1: are there going to be Spencer. issues? I love Will Spencer. He's fantastic. Are there going to be issues? or Are you guys even going to have international staff? Because if there were to be, for instance, you no know, pre-camp or post-camp, I know a lot of that was due to kind of visa stuff that getting people to yeah. come to work for camp to begin with.
2: Yeah. So right now we have hired a, a ton of international staff. To me, it's one of the uh, – great things about our staff is that we are representative of all throughout the United States and England and Australia and New Zealand and other places um, and Eastern Europe. We have wonderful support staff who are the kitchen, maintenance, laundry, security staff, the, all the men and women behind the scenes who make camp run. And we've hired all of them again. Um, the thing that we are essentially waiting for are their respective embassies to open, um, but they've done everything on their part, and once their embassies open, which will hopefully be in the next four to five weeks, we are uh, we are understanding that the visa process could be done even through Zoom, uh, because everything's done now through Zoom. Uh, that those people won't even have to show up at their embassies uh, in person anymore; that they'll be able to do it through a Zoom platform and hopefully speed up the process. But our intention is to have all of our wonderful international staff again for sure that's and even get them vaccinated while they're here in the country we're we're, we're even able to get them vaccinated
1: oh so that's big are you that's gonna uh, require all staff members to get vaccinated before they come or is it just going to be negative covid tests is kind of the bare minimum you guys are or i don't even know if you're legally required <laughs> technically to do so
2: yeah you're not you're not a lot you that, that is you, eric you've done your homework there we're not <laughs> no, we are not legally required Uh, you know, to ask that question, or we can't actually ask that question or hire somebody based on those personal choices. Um, But what I can tell you is we did ask our staff uh, if they were open to the idea of getting vaccinated, and we haven't had any resistance there, um, which is great. So everybody who is coming to camp is on board with the idea that they, if they can get vaccinated, they will.
0: Okay, that's good. Do
2: you guys get your shots yet?
0: I'm actually going to get mine today at
1: six thirty.
2: That's good because so you're, you're you're a big scaredy cat when it comes to needles. <laughs> That's what they like to say.
1: <laughs> I got a I got mine once I uh, like a couple of weeks ago. I got the Johnson and Johnson, so I'm just hoping I don't have any blood clots popping off on me anytime soon.
2: Well, if you haven't had the blood clot yet, I think you're good.
1: Hopefully, you never know. <laughs> I sit around yeah, a is- lot, you know.
2: You sound more vaccinated right now just <laughs> the way you're talking. Absolutely.
1: You know, every summer I feel like at the last couple of weeks, you guys are kind of looking for more staff. Has there been an issue um, with COVID and all just trying to even get staff to return or trying to get new staff to come?
2: Um, yeah. I, I, you know, we knew that this year was going to be our most challenging staffing year for sure. Um, Of course, summer 2020 was our easiest year of staffing, actually. Um, We were really blessed by the fact that a lot of the people who took a job in 2020 wanted to return for 2021. Some weren't available. Um, But we have found some, some hardship this year in putting together a staff. We will eventually get there. I think we got 60 or 70 positions still open, which is... Actually, pretty on par for course this time of the year, anyway. Um, So, if you are a college student and you have nothing to do and you're listening to this, go to canadensis.com, fill out an (laughs) application. We're happy to talk to you about a job, get a quick plug in there. Um, I think that the, the most challenge that we've had is what we just talked about. You know what? I totally understand that the days off and the nights off at a camp are part of the memorable experience of being a counselor. So, I think the hardest part is we've had the returning staff who can't see themselves coming back without that idea. And I totally understand and I'm on board with it. Um, but at the same time, I, you know, uh, I'd love to get as many returning staff as back as possible. As both of, you know, they definitely set the tone for all the first time staff. So I think that's where I've been like our most challenging staff uh, are the returners And even the former campers, you know, haven't really been very open-minded to coming back without the idea of days off and nights off where they can leave camp. So it's been a little bit more challenging. But honestly, I got to tell you, staffing is always our biggest challenge every single year. Assembling more than 250 people to take a two-month job is hard. I feel like
1: once you get into it, though, like, I can easily say, like, my best two summers of my life so far have been at camp. Now, most of it's because of like the counselors, the staff and like I had great kids. But I mean, it's mm-hmm. I I say once you're 20 to 21, so that way you can eventually go to the poorhouse and enjoy that kind of stuff on off days, highly recommend doing it. It's a great job to have.
0: Absolutely. I would double down It's
2: it's a unique summer job, unlike any other thing. I think, you know what, what, uh, Pam and I, my co-director Pam, who's uh, my partner in crime with all this, we talk about it all the time. I think the camp industry as a whole has been challenged by the fact that a lot of jobs now that college students are taking are more gig-related. And what I mean by that is, you know, things like, Uber driver, Uber Eats or, you know, jobs where you can choose when you want to be on the clock.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, and you know, you turn on an app on your phone and say I'm working now or you turn the app off and say I'm not working is so far differently than what camp is. You know, as both of you know, these are long days, they're awesome days, but they're long days and they're hard days and you're working within a very time constrained schedule it's like lunch is at one o'clock and it's tacos today so we hope you like tacos and (laughs) yeah hope you're hungry at one o'clock don't get me wrong chef David as you know guys always prepares plenty of other alternatives if you don't like tacos but I think you understand my point is that you really are confined to a set schedule which is very different than a lot of what college students want I would double
0: down on that as well Outside of, like, all the other aspects, I think being, because I came at 20, was there from 20 to 22. Mm -hmm. So my first year, we couldn't even really go to the poorhouse. It was tough out there. (laughs) I think that was the hardest thing to get in the swing of, being a newcomer to, like, the camp lifestyle or camp counselor lifestyle. Knowing that my every moment is scheduled out for me, from what time I wake up to what time I expected to be at breakfast and things like that. Yep. That was the hardest thing to like get into, because most of the the people you're getting the staff wise, they're coming right from college, where mm-hmm. for the last year or two they'd they've been away from their parents and done whatever they want.
2: Yep. Yeah, it's so, uh, I, I talk to, you know, I think I'm correct in saying that neither of you had your initial communication with me, but it is something that you know I know. All of us address, but that's actually a point that I always bring home when I talk to an an applicant. Is I loved my four years of college. You know, I I always call the college lifestyle the rock and roll life. You're constantly on the go. You're essentially determining whether you want to go to class or not. You know, Thursday night is a thing. You know, (laughs) yeah. And it's one of those things where going from that world into camp is just very different like you know what i always tell college students you haven't heard the word curfew you know it doesn't Ooh. exist here at college but it exists here at camp
0: yeah you'll definitely learn curfew at camp yeah
2: right you know and uh you know it, it, you know twelve you're on time Twelve you're late right ezra
0: Twelve thirty one, you are in fact late oh yeah
2: you are late were you, ever, were, were, were you ever late or no
0: Ah, I was late a couple of
2: times my first year. All right. What happens when you're late? Tell all your audience what happens. <laughs> we give you big wedgies, right? No. What do we do? Um, if I
0: recall, don't you get an extra on duty night? Yeah, you get
2: extra on duty. So yeah. it's essentially it's, a, it's it's a little slap on the wrist, nothing big.
0: Yeah, it's nothing crazy.
2: You, you know what, you know, it, it, and Eric, were you ever late or no?
1: I was not. I remember I came back from an off day, signed in, and then I had someone flashing a flashlight at me at like 12:35, checking if I was in bed, and then there was a whole fiasco and I was like, what are we doing here? You're waking me up from my sleep, checking on me? What are we doing? Last <laughs> uh,
2: somebody didn't read the sign-in list correctly is what you're oh, telling me. They
1: you. did not
0: last staff related questions before we move on and get to a different topic um how soon as a camp director because you said you've been doing this for a while now
2: how soon can
0: you tell a good counselor from a bad counselor Mm. because we'd be crazy to think that every counselor that comes a good one so how long does it take you to be around somebody or to see them interact to know that like this ain't what they want to do all summer
2: you know what? It's a great question. Um, I, I think, you know what? I always sort of go back to two different things. Um, I think overall, if you even go to the, the website, we've always described our staff as mature goofballs, right? Um, yeah. And that's a unique balance. You know, the counselor who understands first and foremost that we're here for the safety and well being of the kids, and we need to put our own individual needs ahead you know, uh, or I'm sorry, the kids' individual needs ahead of our own individual needs. That takes a great sense of maturity and understanding of the role and to make sure that the campers go back home in the same social and emotional and physical state to which they arrived. That's the mature side of the mature goofball thing. And then the goofball side is, you know what? The ability to check your ego at the door, play, have a great time with these kids and understand that this is a license to be a big kid yourself. And I think, you know, it's like a very polarizing definition when you talk about mature goofballs, but it takes like, you know, probably a few weeks to really see both of those elements come out uh, in the counselors who are most effective. And then I think, you know, me and Pam as co-directors, we always talk about safe, fun, valuable experience. And the counselors that can provide that are always the ones that really stand out as far as the campers and even their parents are concerned, the ones that provide them a safe, fun, valuable experience. But I think we sort of even get that idea a little bit through the staff training. You know, we kind of have a good initial idea, but, you know, it, it definitely takes a, a few weeks. You know, I would probably say it's safe to say that for even the two of you, it took a few weeks to hit your rhythm in your stride at camp. So the same time it took you to hit that rhythm and stride is probably the time I think we as administrators look and say, this this guy this girl they really fit that mature goofball type of, of of definition.
1: That makes sense. I feel like when you're new, that first summer, especially the first couple of weeks, you know, you have people who are returning former like campers that are counselors yeah. now. It's a little to get mm-hmm. used to to get in the flow, but like by the time it was, I like to call it RC, our, our CIT summer, we were thriving.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I think you know, the the You know, even when you think of staff training in your first summer, you were probably super overwhelmed with the great deal of information we were throwing at you. Uh, You probably uh, incorrectly assumed, by the way, that we expected you to remember all that information (laughs) Uh, because we also know that this is learning through osmosis and just sort of doing it, right? It's like, you know what? working with kids really even boils down to just good common sense, right? It's like some of the best counselors we have, you know, have had a camp are not like your academically best, you know, counselors or your most athletic counselors or your better, you know, actors and actresses. They're the ones that just exhibited a real good understanding of developing connections with people. They're people persons. Mm -hmm. That and yeah, the kids,
1: if the kids like you, you did good. Like, I'm not an emotional person, but both summers at the end when they're leaving on the buses, and you're like, "What are these emotions that I'm feeling all of a sudden? Who is yeah. this? Who am I?"
2: Eric, you 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 were you know even for a grown man at the time, you were crying.
1: It was I was it was it's tough to see the boys go. It was tough on that CIT summer because you knew like if you don't if you don't know counselor in training, that's like your last step for uh, counselors. It's it's an emotional time.
2: All your little brothers left you. Yep.
1: What are you guys? It's, it is hard. What are you guys doing for the CITs of last summer? Because are you going to have like huge CIT thing if the kids want to come back?
2: That is a great question. So that was actually when we uh, uh, had to cancel last summer. Probably the first group I feel felt worst about was our CITs. And for those, I, I don't know, former podcasts have addressed the CIT, but they're the oldest kids at camp and they are the ones that define their Entire lifetime at camp through their CIT <laughs> final camper year experience. So, um, we were extremely emotional for that particular group. And the first time me and Pam addressed the CITs of 2020, the first thing that we told them was that if they wanted to return in 2021, they can return as CITs of 2020. In 2021, because no one's ever going to take away the fact that they're CI 20. All right. Uh, In fact, they kind of came up with that moniker themselves. CI 20 was their name. Um, So we actually worked with them the entire year, starting last summer, to create a program that was specifically tailored for CI 20. At the end of the day, um, 12 of them decided to take us up on the offer. Mm. So this summer, we are going to have the group of CI20 and the CITs of 2021. They are not one big group. They are actually uniquely separate entities at camp this summer because they are different age groups at camp. And their programs will be different, but have several overlaps throughout the course of the summer. For example, our CITs of our CI20 is not going to their traditional Disney World trip but they are going on a trip out West Mm. and- Oh, that might be better. And that's something that's gonna be a little bit different. Our CI20 uh, program does not have to be an entire summer long seven week experience. We are giving them the option of a shorter stay this summer. And again, we tailored this experience and worked with them to together come up with a program that worked for them because as we all know, They are supposed to be counselors this summer, Mm -hmm. um, but they were taken away of the CIT experience. So we have created something new and different that has never existed before. So uh, we're excited that 12 of them uh, will be coming back to camp, uh, closing out, closing the book on all their camper years at camp um, and doing it in in a different way a little bit than that's never been done.
1: So you said they're going out west, so I'm assuming you guys are still planning to do trip week and all that stuff? Uh,
2: For every other group at camp, it hasn't been decided yet, Mm. but for that group, uh, their trip will be the last part of their summer experience.
1: Makes sense. Makes sense. Exiting the bubble. So
2: they're going to leave to go on their trip and not re-enter the
1: bubble interesting all right that makes sense though because i was i was like oh if they're leaving does that mean everybody else can leave and i was like that kind of breaks the whole premise of that so what do you guys do to replace like the trip week and dorney and all that kind of stuff
2: yeah uh also something that we've been working very hard on this year um we have actually had several zooms with some of our older campers to get some of their feedback and ideas um we are planning things like um Uh, midnight carnivals for our older camper groups. Uh, We are planning for things like where we can bring things in, because as you guys know, you guys have both on the trips before. Food is a big part, even for the campers. Mm -hmm. So we were thinking about maybe doing like a food truck afternoon where we bring in select food trucks uh, for the campers to enjoy like some different cuisine in the afternoon, Um, you know, along with some other sort of special events throughout the course of summer. We also, you know, as much as the kids like the trips, um, I also, one of the things I love at Canada is our Super League, sports leagues. Mm -hmm. And um, one thing by not having trips will allow us to amp up the Super League idea this summer because as you know, sometimes if one age group was out on a trip, we unfortunately had to cancel an entire Super League NBA game. So this year, um, by having limited trips, we're going to ramp up uh, the, the ability to super leagues. But we also see a way that we can do some trips in a safe way out of camp. For example, um, whitewater rafting trips mm-hmm. is something I think we still could very well do. Or trips to the golf course. These are trips that don't have our campers and staff interacting with the general public. So I think there's, you know, roller skating, you know, might be something we still do because we basically take over that place at night for the seniors and CITs. So I think there still will be some semblance of trips as well.
1: Okay.
0: Not to take up too much of your time. um, I've got one question left, and then I'll let Eric hit whatever he has left. My last question, um, I goofed. I said I had no more staff-related questions. I have one last one. Um, When it comes to cell phones and Camp Canada how much do you actually know that we have our phones, (laughs) and how much do you just look the other way? Because I feel like some people think they're slick, but I almost it—it's got to be some looking the other way done on the head staff part as well. You know what?
2: It, it, it's it, it's interesting that you, you 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 bring that up. So here is even the director's take on it, and even maybe you know I think this philosophy also extends itself to the head staff who are obviously the quote unquote enforcers of not having your cell phone. So do I know? that staff have cell phones on them? Absolutely, I'm not an idiot. But I feel like the rules are in place that you shouldn't get caught with your cell phone either, that if we see it, we're gonna take it away. So I've always said that, like, do I have the time in the day to micromanage this and really police it? Hell no. I got so much things to worry about that the cell phones aren't, But have there been s- staff that are dumb enough to get caught with their cell phone? Unfortunately, there still are.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, that'd be a bad day.
2: But, you know, so like I said, you know what? What's what? If you get caught with your cell phone, it gets confiscated, right? Yeah. So, yeah. like I said, that's, that's, a pretty, like- that's a pretty harsh consequence. So, if I was somebody who chose to break that rule... I would be smart about being stupid, mm-hmm. is the expression, right? If you're going to be stupid, <laughs> yeah. be smart about being stupid, and you should never get caught with it.
0: Absolutely.
2: Fair answer?
0: That's a more than fair answer, because I was thinking the same thing. The people who got caught, it's like, that's on you, because what were you doing to get caught?
2: Yeah, they, they were probably texting in the middle of the day with their campers in the bunk. <laughs> yeah.
1: well, that's because you got snitches of campers can't have that, you know?
2: Yeah. You know what? It's it's one of those things where you said a moment ago, Eric. If the campers like you, it's a great job. Mm-hmm. You know. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure there's some counselors that aren't always well liked, and those are the ones that the campers are more than willing to rat out. Yeah, you
1: hate to see it. Absolutely. Um, I just have one last question. Also, yeah. um, this might be a tough one for you because um, this is a very general one. But yeah. do you have any? Like specific kids or counselors that like really stick out to you that you remember making a difference in their lives. Uh,
2: Absolutely, Uh, I'm not going to name anybody by name specifically out of the you know. Don't feel like I want to embarrass anybody, but I will tell you this: um, not a summer doesn't go by where there is a camper, a staff member, a parent who reaches out to us and absolutely thanks us for. Uh making a complete impact in their lives. Um, I can even tell you, just even a few days ago, I had an alumni reach out to me, somebody who, like the two of you gentlemen, who haven't been back for uh four years now, who understand the impact that camp has had in their lives. I had an alumni who literally just took a moment of their day to write a thank you email, like all the things that camp has done uh for this person and the things that, you know, me and Pam uh, head up to make an impact in the lives of of kids. And it's why we continue to do it. You know, uh, one of my favorite subtle stories to tell is the staff member about five or six years ago who called me up in September and she told me, I've been at college for three years now and I've never taken this public speaking course. But now in my final year of college, I've taken it because Brian you forced me to be in front of a group of kids every single day and speak in public. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, that's what this all about. So uh, we want the personal growth from the kids, the personal growth from the staff. So I know that a summer at Canada does that. The fact that, like I said, the two of you gentlemen have maintained this wonderful friendship uh, shows me that you still appreciate what camp has done for you in that way. And I can only imagine if you're telling me that you're also connecting with people like Will Spencer, uh, I'm liking to think that you're still keeping in touch with some of the campers that you made an impact in, 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 in their lives. And they have obviously, in turn, have impacted you as a whole. And we couldn't have done that without this wonderful tiny little place in Canadensis, Pennsylvania, right?
1: Yeah, That's
2: true. You no, know, I was yeah. going
1: to ask you, you know, feel free to um, plug the camp, why you think people should go. But I feel like that answer was basically that
2: Yeah, I feel like, you know, uh, it, it's a wonderful place. Uh, it's, it's so special to to me and my, my family now. And, uh, you know, uh, when it came time for, uh, me and my wife to get married, this was the only place she ever even wanted to get married at, believe it or not, which was awesome. And, uh, now having the privilege of a few summers away from my own kids going, uh, and being able to give this opportunity to my children is going to be, uh, amazing i can't wait for them to be cits and see them at color war sing right
1: mm. that's a big moment nothing
2: like color war sing right
1: yeah, yeah. that's 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 yeah. a great time but it also wrap you know the summer's coming to an end which is a sad time at the it same is. time
2: you know or one of those you know counselor uh, challenge feats where you have to come up with a rap, and you tend to like <laughs> st- stumble in front of the whole camp <laughs> What a call I wanted back. to
1: filter
0: for the camper's ears.
2: <laughs> feel feel free to edit that one out in post-editing, Ezra.
1: Oh my god, what a callback. What a
2: what a Come g- on, we we could've we could you know, I, I had I had him do at least one for Ezra there. Oh. You
1: did have to. He could have got you back to being I, a Giants fan, but he he held back.
0: I held back because they're <laughs> they're on bad luck right now <laughs> on borrowed time.
2: Oh, it's been it's been about a decade of misery as a Giants fan. But uh you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get revenge soon enough. Uh, I, You know, uh, I'm coming into camp for the first time in about 10 years where at least I have a leg up on the Eagles fans for the first oh, time. Oh,
1: I mean, we'll see what Hurts does. It could be his time. Probably not, but we'll see.
2: Yeah, yeah we'll see. We'll
1: see. <laughs> well, Brian, thank you for coming on. We appreciate you. Yeah, this
2: was absolutely uh, terrific. Great fun, guys. Uh, keep up the great work. Uh, I guess now that I am turned on to uh you know the the porch talk here i can find this through your traditional you know podcast outlets
1: yeah apple podcast spotify google podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts we're on there
2: fantastic well keep up the great work if there's ever a future date where we can do this again you let me know okay
1: thank you sir thank you guys for listening uh thank you brian again if you want to apply canadensis.com they always need staff great summer And uh, we'll be right back. A few moments later. Welcome back. So you just heard us talk to Krug. Hopefully Paige was there. Phenomenal interview. Top five, top five, top two, but it's not two. Maybe. Who knows?
0: Yeah. I said a
1: lot. (laughs) I said a lot. Hey, but we're back. Um, Most attractive podcast out there, further than the intro. So you're just going to hear it now in the middle of the episode. Um, We do have a lot of other stuff to get into today. Um, first things first, we'll start out just money brings out the evil in everyone. I think that's pretty self-explanatory as, So I'm going to need you to explain to me why you wanted to send that as a fucking topic.
0: <laughs> um, I think I was watching, I am athlete, the boys, and, uh, they were talking about how like money changes people and how like they'd seen some of their best friends switch and this and that, this and that. And then fucking Fred Taylor, who always be dropping gems. Get that man in the Hall of Fame, by the way. He's always dropping gems, and he was an underrated running back in that time, but he was a beast. Um, He was like, at some point, you've got to be able to acknowledge that you know a person for being a snake, and you got to know they're a snake and treat them like a snake. And he was like, you can't ever be mad at somebody trying to take advantage of you for money if you knew, if it came down to it, this person was gonna make this move for money. And that hit for me because I was like, you know what? Money definitely brings out the evil in everybody, even if it's like the smallest level of evil. I know niggas who don't cuss. They start betting, lose $20, $30. Fuck this game. <laughs> I know people, I know people who don't who don't bet on Sundays or bet on games, but would never bet on Sunday games because they're religion. That's for church. They find out they can win a little more money on Sunday, and they start betting on Sunday. It's stuff like that where it's like money brings out just the worst in people at every level, but at what level is it, one, you got to cut this person off because they did you too dirty, or two, it's like, man, I get it. I would have made that same decision if money was on the line.
1: I mean, see, because then you got my mind going in the gambling stuff. That's why I don't like to bet with people I know. Like, if people are like, oh, let's play poker for money. I'm like, listen, once you start betting for money, then emotions start getting into it, and I'm not trying to have those kind of vibes. So I'm much more of a rather, like, casual uh, when it comes to, like, playing poker and stuff. But then, you know, I have no problem, like, fucking putting $20 on a game and then being pissed and uh, cursing Kyler Murray's name because he can't fucking run for five more yards.
0: I agree. And I'm telling you now, we used to have a poker night. me and my roommate. That shit would get kind of active because these are boys and all. But when you – we would have a uh, fucking $20 buy-ins. And the way we was playing is bet all your money, bet all your money, whatever you want to do. At the end of 30 minutes, no matter what hand you're on, Whoever had the most chips at that point took the whole pot, and that was mm. how we was running it because it was the most efficient to get a few games in. And niggas would get heated. Niggas was, like, ready to fight over $20. And it's like, bro, like, this $20. <laughs> it's
1: it's like – there's two things, right? It, you never think you're going to lose if you're going to bet. That's usually how people go into it. Poker especially because – that's why I also don't like playing poker for money because – if you don't have a time limit, like, you just, like, 30 minutes is probably a little too short. I feel like you probably do an hour reasonably. But if you don't have a time limit, that shit can go for hours. I'm not trying to fucking play poker for that. But then also, once you start playing and people start talking shit and that gets under your skin, if you're not ready for that, oh, the emotions get even worse. And they're like, hey, that money's going to look real nice in my pocket. Hey, shut the fuck up. Like, oh, oh
0: Absolutely. Oh, See, so that's the low-level evil, but then it's like you be hearing stories about, like, how they man scammed him out of, like, $20,000 or $25,000. And honestly, I'm not going to say I've never scammed. Scamming and scheming is, I, I'm not bad at it. It's not a flaw of mine. Um, So when I be hearing it, I be like, yeah, but at some point, you got to charge it to the game. Because you probably knew this nigga was a scammer, first and foremost. Second off, looking back at it. You was dummy to be put in this opportunity. And if the tables was turned, would you not have taken up that option? And that's why I think niggas get kind of tricky when it comes to money or when it's like money bring out the evil No, Like crazy scenarios when niggas like, oh, for $2 million, we turn on your mans? Yes. <laughs> but I don't know that many people who are like, for $2 million, they won't. And this is where I was telling Ethan and Kev, it gets hectic because when you have like even those scenarios, niggas be trying to make it seem like yeah but I do it but then I throw you some money I'm doing it because then we all gonna get some money I'm like no nigga you still turned on me for this money
1: yeah I'm like
0: and you in most of it
1: yeah it's like hey I I got two mil I turn on you but I'll give you like 10k once you get out like oh cool that fucking works for me but that even like (laughs) scamming or like even people ask you for money and they're like hey like Listen, I'm on tough times. I need, like, some money. I mean, there's the classic saying of, you know, whatever money you are going to give out, expect and be prepared to never see anything. That. Like, that, you should feel comfortable with that. See,
0: that is true. I actually just heard that recently. Like, if you're going to let someone borrow money, expect to never see it. And I feel like if everybody adopted that principle, it would just be. It'd be a happier world, because I feel like people can hold grudges when it comes to money very fast, but if every time you give out money, you're only doing it at the kindness of your heart, and you're not expecting nothing in return, when a nigga pay you back, it's going to make your day, and when it's your loved ones or your good friends who don't, it don't matter, because you never expected them to.
2: Yeah,
1: and just, I mean, again, don't give out more than you would be comfortable. Like, if you only have, let's say you have 5K in your bank account, and someone hits you like, hey, I need... Like two and a half from you. If you don't feel comfortable giving that out, don't fucking give it out and be mad when you don't get it back. Like, that's just stupid on your part. Absolutely. God, I wish I could remember the story I was listening to where someone was talking about like someone was trying to come for like a good amount of money. And the guy was like, listen, I'm going to give you this money. Never talk to me again. Like, if that's how, if you really need this money that bad, because I think you might have like scammed them the first time. He was coming back for, like, more or whatever. He's like, listen, you you got it because I don't need it. It's clearly you need it, but, like, we're done forever and always. Like, that's heavy, but that's realistic. It is. I don't know how you, like, how do you scan people that, like, you're very close to, though, or, like, take advantage of that? Because I feel like you that doesn't do you. That's, like, short-term gains, but in the long run, if you're friends with someone who's, like, well off, like, if they start building stuff, they can take care of you for the long run.
0: Yeah, but you know those type of people are, like, short time thinkers anyway. That's why thieves, they say, st- like, the way to pin a thief is to ask their relationship with, like, their family. Because thieves done stole from their family way before they stole from a friend. Because that's who they didn't had access to all their life.
1: Yeah, that's true. I don't know, man. If you know someone who's, like, in the league and, like, they're doing well, like, why would you just steal, like, let's say you steal 10K over, like, a lifetime friendship? I just don't know. I mean, you look at what, like, McAfee did, like, post-career, like, he's, what, like, he has a huge company with all his boys, since he's known since, like, kindergarten to high school, like, the guy he knew in kindergarten, like, the CFO of the company, like, they're all on the show and the podcast, like, making money, and I'm like, but imagine throwing all that away and all that opportunity for, like, 10K back in, like, fucking 2017, you know, like, what are you doing? Yeah, you'd be a fucking goofball. Has anybody ever asked you for like an absurd amount of money or like a good amount? Um yeah. I had uh one of my
0: cousins. First off, one of them scammed me out of $20 that no good piece of shit. But I'll <laughs> save that for another day. I was actually I I'll explain that next cuz that was I was so pissed that day. Um it was earlier this year too. Um, I had, I had a cousin ask me for like 250 one time and then I had a close friend where we were close in high school and we didn't talk much since then. And she literally was like, yo, what do I have to do to get some of the money you've been sending on Venmo? And I was like, what? Mm -hmm. And I think it was, I think I was Venmoing someone for like one of the places we were staying for Airbnb at the time. Mm -hmm. And then I had paid somebody for food. And then like something else, and I was like, "What do you mean?" And then she asked to hold four hundred dollars, and I was like, "Yo, I haven't talked to you in like four years, so nah."
1: That's like I, I have so many thoughts on that. Like, you're just like, are you sitting on Venmo just seeing who's doing a lot of activity and like, hey, hitting people? Like, what well, what's up with that? Like, you throwing in <laughs> yeah, literally swing money for
0: everybody? Yeah, nah, that that one was weird. I was like, what, bitch. But now nah, the cousin that scammed me out of twenty five. Oh, I was so heated. It might have only been twenty. It was twenty or twenty-five. He asked to hold it until he was like, Yo, I need gas, blah blah blah. I'm stuck at the gas station, don't have nothing on my card, I get paid on uh Friday. And it was Thursday, and I was like, Yeah, where, where, where whatever. I don't hear from you much, but like we was cool when we was little, but I don't hear from you much. So like twenty five dollars is whatever. I saw you a few years at the family reunion. You looked like you was doing good. Um, hit him with it. And then, like, Friday came. I was impressed. Like, Monday or Tuesday came, and I hit him. And he was on some, like, are you a... He was like, what, you broke now? You can't spare $25? I was like, nah, we not going to do this, because t- this is a principal <laughs> thing. You owe me some fucking money. And then he wants to talk big and shit. I was like, nigga, we can, we, we can meet in the middle, and we can handle this. I'm going to get my $25. <laughs> and then he ended up blocking me. And I was like, what the... like?" How the fucking, how fucking down bad you gotta be to try to scam your family out of twenty dollars, oh, like family
1: you don't awesome. even see often? You want to burn relationships with over twenty dollars? I, I want to know. I'm a, uh, here's my thing. I assume it probably happened to other people in your family as well, or maybe he just really needed twenty five bucks for whatever fucking reason. I don't know.
0: I truly have no clue. I haven't heard anyone else complain about it. I was complaining to my mom about it. She had heard something. She would have told me. Mm. I was like, you know what the, I was like, you know what the fuck y'all broke the fuck nephew was on? Not nephew. Was that her nephew? If that's my cousin, I think that would be her nephew.
1: That's crazy, man. I don't. Oh, that, that just pisses me off. That uh, That's like a personal thing. Like mm. That's what I'm saying. I was pissed
0: for a while. But then after, like, a day or two, I was like, you know what? If you're down that bad, where well, you're scamming family for 20 or $25. I can't remember which one it was. I was like, if you're down that bad,
1: you need it more than I need it. So whatever. I just, oh, what a fucking trying to spend on it. What are you, broke now? you trying you coming for money now? Like, what? Yeah, nigga, I'm coming for my money. Like, what? damn. Oh, you hate to see that. Um, Speaking of fucking money. So, as everybody knows, that ship got stuck in the, Su- the Sudan River? Oh, yes. Gonna, yes, the Sudan River. And then you said that um, Egypt was trying to hit the fucking ship owners with a $900 million bill because they just clogged up all of that uh, traffic that was going through there.
0: Here's the thing. The ship is a Panamanian ship. It was made by the Panamanians. It's owned by the Chinese, and Egypt owns the canal that they got stuck in. The Suez Canal, okay. Yes, so this is how this is all going to spin together. Panamanian boat owned by the Chinese, and Egypt owns the canal it was stuck in. So like you said, the ship got stuck. It was six days stuck there. They got it out. Um, Egypt is holding the ship hostage are not hostage. They're just holding it for repairs to make sure it's like good enough to go back on water. Mm -hmm. The Chinese said that their people, their insurance company that is insured through the Panamanians told him it was good to get on water. The day after the Panamanians are like, yeah, the boat's good. Like you can put the bitch on water. You're good to go. We built it. We checked it. You're straight. The Egyptians are like, nah, no, no, no. Don't want any issues. (laughs) <laughs> they're not trying to release the boat, which still has China's cargo on it. They're not trying to release the boat until the owners of the ship, China, pay them their $917 billion, not billion, million, $917 million. That was the fine they're trying to hit them. And the Panamanians are like, their insurance, because the Chinese insurance is through the Panamanians, it's a Panamanian boat. Their insurance covers them for $300 million. They took out a second claim that bumped it up to four hundred and seventy-eight million, because that's what the Panamanians and the Chinese agreed. That's how much money they think they should pay Egypt for slowing down profit, and they said that their numbers were over how much they lost or whatever. So they're like they owed them like four thirty for the hassle and for them helping them get it out, four seventy-five, four seventy-eight, whatever the number was. Egypt was like, Nah, we not playing that shit. We want our 900 plus million. The Chinese are like, no, like, there's no fucking way you're getting that from us. So now I didn't know this was a thing. They are going to world court over this, like a world civil court case over how much money they need to pay the Egyptians and how the Egyptians are illegally holding their boat hostage. There's an international court of justice. Yes. And I did not know this. That sounds electric. They're taking this to court. Because from the article I was reading, like, they had, like, quotes or whatever from the Chinese. I'm definitely going to paraphrase it. They were just like, fuck that. The Chinese owners were like, fuck that. If we over $400 million apart, we not coming to no agreement. Because we already think we're overpaying you. And the Egyptians are, like, bullshit I'm not going to say they're bullshitting. But they're like, hey, yo, like, this is how much money we think we lost. And the Chinese said that they had a firm investigate how much money was lost during that time. And they were told it was $350 million through their insurance investigators. So they overpaid for it. And Egypt wants close to 900 So in court, they'll go. But the issue with that is, they said, like the fucking article was saying, that they're trying to lower and lower their offer every day that goes by. Because every day that goes by, this Chinese-owned ship, is losing money for them because they're holding hostage with their fucking cargo on it. Oof. Damn, that
1: gets real interesting.
0: Yeah, it's what everything going on in the world, that that's just like fun news to keep up on. Cause like nobody really gets hurt at the end of the day, but it is interesting to see who's gonna win this solely because I didn't know like international court was really a thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess it makes sense. Like, I never really thought about it.
0: I wonder what it would take. Like, they probably have clout clout to be an international judge.
1: Yeah, my God. I wonder, I I probably, I assume that China would probably win. I mean, I'm sure that Egypt could also get a firm to do it and probably bump up the numbers, um, like expert witness style. But I feel like the smart thing would probably be to just settle this maybe in a middle ground, but it doesn't seem like China's fucking around. And the fact that they're saying they're now losing money because of the shipping out hostage probably is going to work in their favor, I have to assume. Yeah.
0: I think what's going to end up happening is they're going to like rule in the favor of Egypt first. Cause just also like, I read like three or four articles and they were pretty much saying like Egypt wasn't kept about the numbers that they, the profit they lost. Because they were like, that one canal can make $300, $350 million a day. Ooh. So six days, I mean, that'd be like their peak, peak days where it make turning profits like that. But if it was clogged for six days, 900000000 million isn't too far off. So I doubt it's anywhere near as low as the Chinese were saying it was. But then again, at the same time, they'll probably lose some on the back end for holding the Chinese owned ship hostage with all of their cargo which is now costing them millions of dollars a day
1: yeah that would be interesting we I can get a fucking lawyer wish anna was here at the moment see that if would have, have been good on that.
0: a quick tidbit um international judges make two hundred thousand a year untaxed
1: because mm, i mean i guess you're international so it's like who would yeah. you pay tax to
0: it says two hundred thousand annually, tax free.
1: How do you even become an international judge, though?
0: I truly do not know.
1: I mean, because it's through the United Nations. I saw that much when I looked it up. Like, when you want to become a judge for like a state or like the Supreme Court, like you go through these proper channels. So maybe you got to be the best of the best, and then go through some type of United Nations council. I guess I don't know. That's interesting. I feel like that's not shit though. I'd kind of want more if I was an international judge. I was thinking about that,
0: though. 200000 a year is like a lofty profit, especially since it's on tax. You'll literally net 200000 And I doubt they work anywhere near as much as we would think they do.
1: Yeah, I was going to wonder if they, like, is it just a side job? You know, like, they have their normal judging job or whatever, and then they're like, oh, we got some shit we have to deal with. uh we got to. Go to court for a week next week, kind of thing.
0: They probably just do that and cake that two hundred thousand. Because by this rate, they're probably like damn near near retirement or retired judges who then do this in their free time. Because I feel like to get there, you'd have to have quite a career.
1: I mean, if you're a Supreme Court justice, you make anywhere. The associate justices make uh two hundred thirteen, and then the chief justice makes two hundred twenty-three. Court Supreme, yeah.
0: Yeah, but we're going to tax that and take what? At least 45.
1: Which is, oh my God, dude. I don't even like I feel like people want to be rich, but then once you think about the tax that you get hit with, yeah. Oh, fucking hell, dude. So you get caught up fucking like avoiding taxes and shit. Cause I was like, if you told me I had to pay like 50% of my income, like, fuck that. Get I would find me. every loophole. Absolutely. New things that you've learned during COVID. I'm pretty sure I wrote that one down correctly. You did. You did. Um,
0: I was just talking to somebody. Uh, Mariah learned how to sell during COVID. And I was talking to someone else. And she was saying she got into like cooking, like cooking, cooking. Like she made a beef Wellington, which I wouldn't even try to do. And she's been making like stuffed chicken breasts and stuff like that. Which, I mean, it's for some people. I'm not, haven't tried it. But, like, if she didn't ever cook before then. And then I was like, you know what? I don't know if I necessarily learned, per se, anything off the top of my head. Actually, no. I did have one. I learned how to bartend. I learned how to make drinks through this COVID. And I definitely picked up reading as a hobby. So, those are things I think through COVID I started. So, I was just wondering if y'all picked up on anything through COVID.
1: I would say I definitely started cooking more. But I wouldn't say I've, like, leveled up. A lot. I've just kind of started, I guess, venturing into more different um, avenues of foods and ingredients as such. Nothing crazy, but... Um, yeah. I feel like a lot of people picked up bartending just because like, a lot more people started drinking at home, and they were like, well, you know, I could drink beer every day, but I could try to venture out and try new things. Absolutely. It's just making me sad. Now I feel like I didn't do anything during COVID. hmm I started... I would like to say I started running more, but there was that was a phase, and then the and the marathon attempt was pretty much the extent of that. Oh, I got more into trading. That was definitely something. Um, shout out to Doge, just doing his damn thing still. Yes, sir. Somehow, someway. way. Somehow, some I still think it's gonna like. I mean, there was a big dip. I want to say s- Saturday night into Sunday. Um, but I don't know. Doge just. It seems like. Um, at least right now, it seems like it's kind of bottoming out around like mid-20s into the high 30s and 40s, but I haven't checked all day today, so I'm not sure.
0: I checked when I got off. It was at a 39.
1: But yeah, I definitely got into trading, um, buying a lot of stocks, learning how to recharge and stuff, um, which is pretty cool. Um, a little bit of painting. Um, nothing too crazy. I'm currently dominating that puzzle up. Um, I started doing Rook. some more the other day, just destroying the puzzle. It, it, it's getting wrecked out there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I guess this we got a dog, so I guess kind of dog training, but we have to go fucking get a professional because he's barking at too dogs on these walks now. Mm.
0: I think I might have also upgraded my drinking. I don't drink as much anymore, but I've upgraded the quality. I'm starting to, when I go places now, I don't just go in and buy what I want. I think I'm past the age of just having bottles that everybody knows, unless it's Crown, because I do enjoy Crown. I've been asking, like, what do you think a good, like, the fucking workers, what you think a good rum is, or what's a good whiskey to get on? Mictors, by the way, get on Mictors. $52 bottle, but it's worth it. It's a very good whiskey. Um, Kirk and Sweeney was the rum I was put on, It's It's trash. <laughs> it's a forty two dollar mixer. Um there are a lot of brands better than this. And the guy I asked was like, Oh, they those ones are nice, they're good. They're mixers, but this one you can drink on its own. I drank. You cannot drink Kirk and Sweeney on its own. It's trash.
1: Isn't that the most frustrating thing where people are like, this is good, and you pay for it, and you're like, no, it was not, dude. Yeah, I was so upset. I was like, this is so fucking trash. What, wine's, uh, what liquor store do you go to, though?
0: Uh, I go to this one in uh, New York. It's in Elmira. It's a massive liquor store.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes more sense. Because I was like, if you're going to like a Mansfield like, mom-and-pop shop, I'm not sure if I would trust their recommendations PayPal. as much. The one in, yeah,
0: this one is massive. So I go there, I try to, try to see because i learned this is another thing i learned during covid because i started to like branch out on alcohol a little bit i learned kind of like when you go uh fucking to get body wash <laughs> that's crazy because i was just talking about this the other day you kind of gravitate unless you're like a stickler for a body wash which i become if you're trying a new body wash you gravitate to like the nice bottles the funky bottles something that's doing different mm. and i feel like a lot of alcohol brands got fancy bottles, but then you'd be seeing a price and they're like $28 and the shit trash. So I needed to ask people so I knew how to avoid those fancy bottles because sometimes them bottles ain't shit.
1: So what did you learn? Are you just saying you're asking people just what is good to avoid getting caught? Yeah, I'm saying, yeah,
0: don't just go grab the bottle that looks fancy because a lot of the times those ones be butt.
1: No, nah, I've noticed that a lot because, like, obviously I drink IPA. So I'm like, oh, let me try, like, different kind of brands, uh, stuff. And, like, every company now just has the most ridiculous, like, eye-catching bottle for a reason because they want you to grab it. And it's like, damn, like, can we just – just tell me what it is, what it tastes like, like, what it is. Like, I don't I don't need all these crazy designs, crazy names or anything like that. Yeah.
0: I was just talking about this the other day about body wash. Slight turn. But, I mean, it's the guy's cast. So, we can talk about men's body wash. Target used to kill the men's body wash game. And now, like, Walmart and giant other stores have picked up on it. And my issue, I, it's the problem with body washes now. I'm a stickler for Harry's or, or uh, Method Man. I'll settle for, uh, what is it, Jack's, um, Every Man's Jack or whatever. That one's solid. The issue is all of these brands do the exact same sense, I feel like, now. And the only difference really be the bottles. So you're really just grabbing at the bottle that catches your eye. And Dove just pushed out a new bottle. And I was reading up on it on a fucking BuzzFeed. And their execs were saying that they were, like, trying to get a new bottle. Because their old bottle was outdated and they needed something to catch the eye.
1: I mean, you guys put me on a Harry's. I have not bought their body wash yet. Mostly because it was out of stock. I did get their face lotion, which is solid. Um,
0: yeah, Harry's is... Harry's is nice. I like Method Man. I've got, Dove got me. Mansfield was out of Harry's and Method Man, and I saw that new bottle, and I got it. And I was like, this is that new shit. And then Kevin was like, I literally got that bottle. And then I looked online, and it was literally the exact same bottle. It's upcharged, and it's a new design.
1: Yeah, I don't think they were ever going to change the actual. That's the thing. It's like, you can upgrade it and whatnot, but it's still Dove. Like, it's still the same product, the same uh, ingredients, recipe. Like, it's all the same.
0: I thought it was like a new scent or a new organic scent or something. None of that. It, it was just a different bottle. They, <laughs> they truly tricked me. That's
1: why I like the organic soaps. I just feel like I, I don't know, I feel like I get a better clean that way.
0: I used to be big on their organic soaps. I've been off that bandwagon for like three or four years now because the organic shop I relied on in Fredericksburg, a shorty that worked there, was like, no, like, it's good soap and it smells good, but it's only like 40% organic. And I was like, huh? So it was like, there's still like a shit ton of chemicals and whatnot in it. And I was like, you know what? That's how y'all mass produce this so quick. <laughs> so then I was like, fuck it. If I'm not going to be all the way organic, no need to keep paying $8 for a bar.
1: That's true. I mean, in of the day, I feel like I just like bar soap more than body wash. I feel like I get a lot more out of the bar soap. I agree. Uh, um, have you ever thought about getting fucking organic deodorant? I just can't do that to myself.
0: Um, yes, I actually have. I had organic deodorant once. I don't like. I'm not an armpit sweat type of guy, so I can really use any deodorant. I generally just use Dove, but I will. I couldn't find Harry's deodorant. When I get Method Man, I get the Method Man deodorant, like match up sense.
1: I know there's a lot of complaints. People are like always, you know, whenever you see ads for organics they there, like there's aluminum in your um deodorant. I'm like, I don't care, man. As long as I smell good and it keeps me from not sweating, even though I feel like I only like sweating hot out, obviously. I'm I don't care. Put all the aluminum, in my fucking body Yeah, I absolutely do not care. Like what? It's one of my arm who cares? Those fucking org- I just feel like the organic ones just wouldn't last long, and then you would just be smelling real fucking quick. I looked up the top, like,
0: 10 deodorant brands one day. I was using it for an argument with Diana, because uh, I hate Old Spice, and I think she said that she was using Old Spice, which I think is weird. I get in, like, middle school or high school, girls were, like, using guys' deodorant because it smelled good. I I don't think anybody, like, past high school should use Old Spice. Like, just stop. The the shit's not soap. It's not deodorant. It's literally like a cheap body spray. The shit is like all perfume. I don't know if there's any cleaning aspects to Old Spice at all. They body wash, they soap, they deodorant. None of it is clean. It's just a very, very strong fragrance that don't last or do much, I feel like.
1: Is that not what all deodorant is? Because you're deodorizing. Nah, my deodorant, like my dove, the shit
0: is like faked. Like, it's a good smell, but it's not like a strong smell. Mm-hmm. Old spices shit is strong as fuck. It's like spraying cologne on your armpit, I feel like. I feel like you're doing too much at
1: that rate. Bro, the right guard, the green one, solid. Get compliments all the time that I smell good because of that.
0: Bro, I was getting that's how it is with Harry's
1: people are like what cologne is that? I was like nah, it's that body watch. I'm just not a cologne person I never have been just never for me I've slowly got
0: into cologne just a little quick one spray on the on the way out the door but it's
1: not like an everyday thing then I feel like I have to like spend money and then try to figure out which scent and then um, I remember I think you were telling me about it or someone was telling me about fucking getting upsold on uh fucking cologne, and then someone's trying to sell them on a girl. It must have been. Oh, yeah, no, that was me. Yeah, yeah when well, me and Mariah went to the outlets.
0: I went through a whole, like, 30-minute cologne sampling stage, though. Because I was like, if I'm going to buy one, I'm going to buy the exact one I like.
1: <laughs>
0: I'm not settling for no, it's okay.
1: But then the thing is, you also have to think about how that scent at, like reacts with your actual body chemistry and all that stuff. Which can it's a whole different ballgame. That is true. Damn, I'm not gonna lie, I don't even want to talk about this next topic that we have. Um, because like we, the topic is like the FedEx shooting in Minneapolis, but then there's also, I told, I texted you guys this earlier, like, there's been a mass shooting like every day this week or past week.
0: Oh, there absolutely has, like, it's actually going crazy.
1: And it's like, I was looking up Twitter and like someone else said, like, there's a bunch of people saying the same thing, like, it seems like every day we have a mass shooting, and they're like, We're not really sure if it's even an uptick in mass shootings or it's just because Biden's in office and nothing pops off. Like there's just a lot more coverage of it. I'm not really sure. Then I saw an article talking about that the mass shootings are somehow contagious. And I was like, I don't like that. That's a fucking thing.
0: Yeah, definitely hate that. I see that we're like on a record pace for mass shootings. So I think there is definitely an uptick. I think right now we're on a record pace. And you know mass is anything more than three, which gets a little tricky, but there I think of like the last two weeks it was like five.
1: Yeah, I feel like literally every day I'd open up Twitter and it's like new mass shooting, like shooting in this place. It's just not not a fan of that at all.
0: I'm not a fan either. Um I was talking to someone the other day and I was like, yo. And she was telling me about the volcanoes, the St. Vincent volcanoes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yo, there's like so much fucking going on just news-wise with the mass shootings, with the George Floyd case, with the uh, Jacob. Got- what's Ah, I just blanked on his last name. The Minneapolis news shooting, the Jacob. That one. um, Fucking the volcano. I was like, there's so much going on right now. I feel like there's news happening that I just haven't been able to catch because there was so much
1: for like the last
0: month we have been slammed with news.
1: Is it weird that we're getting slammed with things, but I don't feel like I'm hearing any news at the same time. Is that weird? It's, it is weird. Cause I think the things we're getting slammed with
0: are like the hot button ones. So gun control is always a hot topic. So we're getting a lot of the mass shooting ones. And then, for a while, we were getting slammed with like STEMI updates, news-wise. Mm-hmm. So that, and then you know the this was like the year of activism, which is good. So we're getting a lot of news on like George Floyd and some of the other cases. I gotta remember this Jacobs, his family, his last name. I'm gonna look it up after this. So I all of that, and then like just like that, because of all this other news on the mainstream, we didn't even really hear a about a whole country that was about to get wiped out because of a volcano. And they're truly, they were truly getting fucked, St. Vincent. And it's like, bro, like, how did the whole country miss this? Because I'm not even going to lie, I didn't know it, and almost nobody I knew knew it at the time. And then once I heard about it, I started talking about it to people, and then it started to pop up a little more on Instagram and, like, shit like that. But it was, like, two or three days,
1: and nobody really knew about it. I feel like I... I saw it on Twitter for like a day and then I hadn't heard anything. I just Googled it and apparently there was a major eruption literally today. Bro, it's this is, the, this is the
0: third time it's erupted in a week and a half.
1: Yeah, I thought you were crazy when you sent in that topic like it's that fucking country's gonna get wiped out. And now I'm looking at like this shit might get fucking taken out. No, it truly might. Um
0: they were, And they're fucked right now because they were saying, like, some of the neighboring countries, because St. Vincent is only small to begin with, and they were saying the last time this did this, like, they were, like, a big fuck back in, like, 1950s or whatever. And, excuse me, they were saying the issue they're having is COVID-19 is making all of this difficult because some of the surrounding countries offered money. One country in particular offered them $1 million in help. But they could only financially help and they weren't going to open the borders to them. And then some other nearby countries are like, well, open the borders, but everybody has to be vaccinated first. Which I get you want to keep your country safe, but none of that matter right now because niggas is dying out there and losing their lives. And all they need is a place of refuge.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I feel like just open it up. Like, it's not that big of a deal. They're not opening
0: them. They were making them. So at the time, this was last week when I sent this, when I was doing research on it. So it was uh last Wednesday at the time they said that they, St. Vincent had said they were trying to get more vaccines flown in and they were trying to set up vaccine stations so they could start getting like their people to other countries so they could have refuge. And I was like, at the end of the day, like there are some things in the world that are, that Trump things. And to me, Citizens who need a place to refuge because their homes is being taken over by a natural disaster trumps your COVID-19
1: fears. Yeah. Because at know. some point it's just about being a human. No, I think you're I think you're hundred percent of the mark on that. I mean, it's like it's it's just open it up. Like it, it's a no-brainer thing. It's not like this side of the argument, it's not, just open it up. Let people come in, lend a helping hand. Because at the end of the day, like this could be you and what you don't want to like, if this happens to you, you're just like, oh, it's fine. Keep it closed because of COVID. Like we're allegedly rounding the corner. Vaccines are going out. People are wearing masks. Like even if you want to say, hey, everybody comes in need to wear masks. Like we're setting up vaccine stuff, but like we'll keep you in certain hotels, um, isolated, whatever. Like you can do things to make this work. Yeah, that's what I would, there's
0: so many things you could do, like whether you're putting them on planes or on boat, whatever it is, make it, that's only people from this country. They're only staying in this city or on this side of the city in these hotels. Like there's so many things you could do. And I'm sure the people of St. Vincent would have been appreciative because you're letting them in while their homes are being destroyed. They're not asking for much outside of a place to refuge.
1: Hey, people had no problem flying there for fucking vacations, but God forbid there's a fucking uh, volcano and they're like, oh, we don't know anything about this St. Vincent country at all. What is that? Literally. Just go fuck yourselves, dude. I saw a fucking... I was looking up an article yesterday and I saw that fucking is trying to encourage people to uh, vacation there and they're having fucking vaccine sites inside the, um, inside the airport to try to get tourism going there.
0: That'd be weird because don't you have to get the vaccine at two doses?
1: Um, unless they get the Johnson & Johnson backup. And yeah, so maybe you get one when you uh, arrive and then when you leave. Maybe? Listen,
0: vacations must be 14 days long.
1: Yeah, I guess, dude.
0: I'm not mad at them. I sometimes forget Alaska as a state. Alaska's fucking
1: just out there. Yeah. During the summer, I feel like it wouldn't be too bad. Yeah, I'm just I'm just all good on Alaska for good. forever. Just forever. I also saw Russia was fucking, um, doing some sneaky shit, setting up some, uh, I guess because of global warming and all, some places are getting defrosted, so then yeah. Russia's been setting up fucking military stuff up there, doing some, uh, very sketchy stuff, to say the least. Very Russian. And I was, I was like, oh, this might be an issue. Did you see Biden, that
0: was also in news last week, you see Biden try to, uh, check Russia, like, last week at some point?
1: I did. I think he said they were doing, like, sanctions against them.
0: Yeah, and he's already got a beef with Putin, where he called Putin a liar, and Putin was like, yeah, but he won't come to Russia and do it in so many words. (laughs) Um, Again, he tried to, like, check Russia or whatnot, and fucking Putin's little speaker of whatever they call it over there was like, let him worry about his country. We'll worry about what we do. Them niggas don't give a fuck about us.
1: No, they really
0: don't. They keep letting it be known, like, they don't care what we
1: think about what they do. Hey, listen. I'm not going to lie, though. I'm, Biden. I'm not going to Russia. You're not Oh, gonna there's lie, no gonna way. Lie. They fucking poison people for fun out there. Like, you're done for. Literally. Uh-huh. Dude, I just saw he was putting in some fucking more work to, like, extend his presidency for, like, another eight years or something. He trying to move, he's trying to uh, move the prime minister after this. He's been
0: working on that for like three years because he already rigged for an extra presidential term, which is eight years out there, which is ridiculous. So he's going on 16 years now. But after this, all the power is going to shift to the prime minister,
1: which he will run for. It's just like, it's so blatant that I respect it so much, but it's like, Jesus Christ, Russia. Yeah. that
0: I think they truly fear that man, which I mean, there's two ways to run a country, how we do it and how they do it. And Russia truly seems to fear that man. He was part of their elite unit. I forget what the fuck they call him. What is it? The the KGB? I think it's the KGB in Russia. Yeah. He was like their version of a Navy SEAL. He did his time and all that shit. It's a scary man, bro. I
1: feel like people sleep on him because he doesn't look threatening. No, actually, he looks very threatening. I was about to say, he looks
0: threatening. And just how he talks, he, you can never understand it without the subtitles. But like his body language and all, you can tell he don't be giving a fuck about people.
1: Bro, I'm just looking, I just looked up, like, pictures of him, his face, and all of them. He just looks like he might murder you. He looked like the most serious dickhead the world has ever seen. I wonder what his body looks like. What? Mm, oh, yeah. So, I remember seeing pictures of him, like, shirtless, and I was like, he doesn't look threatening shirtless, but he would still murder you. Absolutely. He's definitely killed a couple huggers in this day. Had to have. Um, you had a hot topic. I wish Paige was here for this. Um, you said you should leave after the first lie. It took me a while to figure out what you were saying there. I thought at well, one point actually, you were saying the first lie someone does on the podcast they just have to leave and I was like, This is a clever way to um, even get out of recording today? Like what are you talking
0: about? <laughs> nah, um yeah, I wish Paige was here for this one too. A girl opinion would have been nice. Um I seen one of the homegirls from back in the day post on her Instagram story while I was at lunch on at work and i was like well, wait a second and she was like ladies we need to start respecting ourselves more leave after the first lie i'm done with this bullshit and i was like huh nah but huh and i think it's a very interesting take because like that's like the thing now girls want to be on a high and mighty like uh he did me dirty one time so i'm leaving leave the first time he mistreats you girl all that bullshit but it's like Would realistically, would leaving after the first lie even be, like, logical? Like, if the first lie is my mom got cancer and his mom don't got cancer, then, yeah, you can leave. But if the first lie was, like, I spent the night at my mom's house and I fell asleep at 8. And I then came over on Sunday to come kick it with you. And in reality, I went out with the boys and got back at, like, 1 but was at my mom's house at some point and slept there. Like,
1: yeah, he lied, but is that, like, a leave him lie? That's that's not the best lie, like, to have. Because, like, let's say you get caught out in the snap or something. Like, that doesn't look good for you by any means. Yeah, it definitely doesn't look good.
0: And if the girl is the victim of that lie, she probably looks stupid because now her man's lying to her. But, like, is that... I don't even know if that's enough to be like, yep, leave after that. Like what? No, like have a conversation. Yeah, I was at my mom's, I did spend the night, but I also went out with the boys. Like
1: I feel like it would just be it would be more of a conversation of like, why couldn't you just be honest with me? Why'd you feel the need to lie about that? But that again, that's yeah. more of a conversation, but it's not a great it's not a great lie to have. It's not a great conversation, and it is a bad lie. I
0: just, when I was reading that, I was like, I get what you're saying. Like, yes, leave after the first lie. Like, I get what you're saying. I don't know if it logically adds up, but I also don't know where the line is, where, like, how far of a lie is too far so you leave, and how close is, like, eh, that's not worth leaving.
1: I feel like it has to be a substantial lie, but I agree. I don't know where that line would start and end at. Yeah. I mean, I feel like anything that makes you look stupid in public that you got lied to, that could definitely be a strong candidate. I mean, but then again, it would still
0: even depend. Because, like, let's say somebody, we'll use Paige in her man as, as this example, since he's not here. The viewer's miss it. We're going to talk on her name. Let's say Paige has a man, and Paige's man is like, I can't hang out right now, and I'm going, I'm studying or whatever. Not studying. He a grown man. I can't hang out right now, and I got to do some stuff after work. And then she catch him out at the bar, with, out at Patty, with three of his guy friends, eat, eating food, so grabbing food, but he's got, like, a beer with him. Like, yeah, I guess he lied, because, like... He is out with the boys, and it does seem like he's drinking beer. But at the same time, like, was it that bad of a lie? The niggas got to eat. Maybe they hit him afterwards and was like, yo, come come out and eat. You got to eat. Like, take a work break. So, I don't, like, yeah, you and your girls run into him in public, and it, you look stupid. But it's not that crazy of a lie if he explains it. Like, yeah, afterwards, like, I was doing work. They called, said they were going. I came to grab a bite to eat because I got
1: to eat. Yeah, see, I feel like that one's good. It would probably be worse if you were, like, you were, like, oh, I said I had something to do after work. I just didn't, like, I, you didn't ask for Pacifics and that just happened to be me, me and the boys are going out to eat and drink. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, that's a little worse.
0: Yeah, that would be a little worse. Still don't even know if that would be worth breaking up, though, or leaving. No.
1: I, th- I mean, I think it has to be something that probably, like, violates, let's say, one of your key tenets of, like, if you were very, I don't know, if it breaks, like, your trust in a way. Like, they're like, oh, I have, like, work to do tonight. Like, I, I, I got to catch up on something or blah, blah. And then it's like, oh, you were hanging out with your ex instead? Hey, that's a lie, and I'm doing it kind of thing.
0: Yeah, that's a lie that's far enough that I can agree. You leave on that lie. But the first lie, like, because some of these are, like, not even – Some of them are like a lie by circumstance. They're not even like lies. Like, yeah, I told you I was staying home. I guess I lied because I did get hungry and go get food at some point.
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, I think it's going to be, it's got to be a substantial lie. Also depends on the time frame. Like, is this early relationship? It has to be, I assume. I think it's. Yeah, I feel like it would happen, because if it's the first lie, it's probably at some point
0: early in a relationship, so it's don't even put yourself through worse lies, leave at the first lie, and it's like, uh,
1: I feel like we're just such good guys, we can't even come up with lies, you know?
0: That's that's what it feels like, for real.
1: God, it's, I mean, black men don't cheat, so it doesn't surprise me. So, no. Yes, sir. I don't know. I mean, I guess we could put it this way. Is there any lie that someone has ever told you that... Like you would if you heard this like first time that you'd be like, That's I gotta leave?
0: Uh, the first time <sighs> I've been lied to a time or two. Um hmm. I feel like the only lie I've been told that I can like think of off the top of my head that I would have to leave on site was I was talking to a girl one time And she told me she had never hooked up with this guy who was now her best friend. And it wasn't (laughs) even, like, provoked. I didn't ask. She was like, that's my best friend, but we never done anything. And then, like, a week or two later, I was hooping with my intramural group. And he was out there. He was like, oh, yeah, you talking so-and-so now? I was like, yeah, a little something like that. He was like, nah, she's cool. She's cool. And I was like, yeah, like, y'all cool, right? He was like, I mean, we're, like, friends. We don't, like, hang out like that no more. But we used to fuck. And I was like, huh? Like, first (laughs) off. She told me like y'all was best friends and like oh, I ain't never done nothing, and you just told me that's all like kind of cool. Y'all don't really hang out, but y'all used to fuck. So she think y'all best friends or whatever, and you just is like we kind of cool. She probably kind of got feelings for you because you just you just think y'all kind of cool and used to fuck, but to her you her best friend. <laughs>
1: Ugh, I feel like that's the worst. Like if something happens and it's like it makes you almost look stupid.
0: Yeah. yeah, so I'm, I'm assuming like, things
1: didn't work out with that girl.
0: Uh, things did not. We hung out for a little. I ended up asking her about that, and he was like, She was like, No, we're like best friends. And I was like, I don't think y'all are best friends. <laughs> and then she was like, No, we're like, I was like, Bart baked him from his mouth. He told me y'all was kind of cool, but y'all don't hang out. And she was like, You don't really have to hang out with your best friend. I was like, You know what? You're clinging to this. You want him as your best friend, you can
1: have it. I just feel like there's also a big difference between, like, saying you don't have to hang up with your best friend, like, if they fucking live in a different state compared to, like, you go to the same college and, like, yeah. <laughs> you, there's clearly just a miscommunication on your fucking relationship there. And I was harping on it
0: after, like, because we stopped talking after a little while. Like, probably, like, a couple more days. We hung out a little bit, you know. And then we stopped talking. And, like, she hit me up and we were talking about it. She was like, no, but we really are just best friends. I was like, yo, like, what y'all have is none of my business. Y'all are good. But I was like, what I'm saying is, I was with him. We were around the other niggas out there at Intermural, And, like, some of the girls was out there. This nigga literally out his mouth said, y'all was kind of cool. Y'all used to fuck. I was like, you are not this nigga's best friend. <laughs> I mean, I just,
1: uh, how, do you, how do you think you're someone's best friend to that ability where it's just, I mean, you could text them. I would be like, you know what, text him right now and ask him if you guys are best friends. Let's just get to the bottom of this.
0: Literally. And knowing that nigga, he would have been like, nah. He would have been like, we cool.
1: Ah, you hate to fucking see it. I would say we could do sports talk, sports talk. I just don't know what other sports things have happened recently at all. Yeah, there's really not much sports popping right now. The draft is soon. That's about it. Yeah, that's really all there is. The 49ers are trending. Oh, it's because Alex Smith retired. Good for him, I guess. Yeah, it was, it was time. And if we're being honest, he carved out a decent little career. He really did. I mean, he kind of has like... I don't want to say, because I feel like this gives too much clout to Tyrod Taylor, but he kind of had that similar thing going on, where he would, like, kind of wherever he went, he would get fucked over as a quarterback. Yeah. But he was a lot more successful than Tyrod. I was going to say, way more talented than Tyrod Taylor. And I honestly feel like the reason he retired, because, like, I feel like a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago, it was, like, coming out that the the football team um, was not going to bring him back. So he was probably, like, listen, yeah. I'm not... They're not keeping me here? I'm definitely not getting a job anywhere with that fucking calf.
0: Yeah, no need to keep trying to keep trying to do it. He had what sixteen years I think I saw. That's a long time. Yeah, that is a super long career. And at quarterback, you know he made good money. And I didn't seen his ESPN story. He he not wanted to spend it, so he's good.
1: I never watched that. I probably should watch that. I used to be big on like E sixty and thirty for thirties. Oh, the thirty for thirties are phenomenal. That's they yeah. did such a good job with all those.
0: I feel like they haven't pumped any out in a while.
1: Yeah, I don't know if it's because of Corona or they just kind of like drew like draw back from it. I sure. feel like they
0: stopped because then they pushed the uh, last dance so hard. Mm. Like the last dance was like thirty for thirty at its peak for them. Yeah,
1: I also saw fucking. They the football team released Bryce Love, who, if we all remember, was dominant at Stanford, came back for a year when he should have left and towards ACL and was never the same.
0: Hate to see that. I see that they also released Randy Moss's son. But oh, then picked yeah. up an Australian but then picked up an Australian basketball player or some shit. Or a Costa Rican basketball player to play tight end. Which I'm all for a project and he put up big numbers and had a like he lifted a lot ran fast. But it's something about when they like release football players for these projects, because even though Randy Moss's son is Randy Moss's son,
1: he could play. He was putting up numbers in the SEC. Yeah, I mean, he was he was very much a part of that championship win with Burrow. Like, let's not sleep on yeah. him. Right. So I thought that was like weird behavior, but. I wouldn't be mad if the fucking Eagles picked him up. If we trade Earth, which I think we should, and then pick but, him up, I would not be mad at that. Oh, he got cleaned by the Bengals. He's going back to fucking hang uh, out with I Joe would, Burrow. Oh, uh, they'll probably be able to do something with that. Bro, if they draft fucking Jamar Chase, like, they could really be having a little throwback uh, yeah, to that they, team. They really could. Uh, they but really could. They should draft a fucking, they should draft Penny Soul and protect his fucking blindside for the next 15 years. But that's besides the point.
0: I'm indifferent about that because I've seen that this was tackle heavy so they could move up in the with their second round pick and grab a tackle in the later round at first. And I feel like these tackles that grade good, unless you're like Trent Williams, I feel like the first tackle off the board ain't that much better than the fourth tackle off the board. Mm, I feel Like, like you have Trent Williams and Joe Thomas occasionally, but that's not like an every year thing.
1: Well, it seems like I mean, there's been a lot of talk about Soul for years, and they have Rashawn Slater, who's like arguably like one A and one B. Um, but then I haven't looked as much into the other tackles because I just feel like it makes sense if you're going to take what people consider a potential generational talent to do that. But if they do trade up to, if they trade back up to get someone, I mean, I'm not mad at that by any means. Yeah, I'll take. I'd have to take a receiver early,
0: and then I get a tackle either with that second-round first pick, or I'd move up in the first to get a tackle.
1: I think it's just because Burrow got his fucking knee destroyed. He did. That it's like, if you if you think he was the guy, which, I mean, there's no reason not to, and that offensive line was shit, why would you not invest in that?
0: That ties back to the Bengals being a cheap organization, though. Because fucking... Uh, fucking... Every day on the herd, that nigga Colin talks about. Like, just organizations that have been, like, perpetually cheap. And the Bengals are it. They don't want to spend in free agency, kind of like the Packers were for all those years. They don't want to spend in free agency at all. Because they could have shorted their offensive line in free agency. They could have got more
1: weapons in free agency. But they don't ever really do anything. Yeah, I mean... They sign like, a guy, but it's, like, on a one-year contract, and then they're, like, this guy's on the tail end of his fucking career. Yeah, it's like, what the fuck? Yeah, I don't, I, don't know that, how, mm-hmm. I don't know how you run a franchise and don't invest into, like, players' facilities. Like, dude, I'm not gonna lie, Bengals have an indoor facility. I don't know why we don't have more indoor facilities.
0: I think cause people still like playing on grass,
1: I mean, you could go fucking all out like the fucking Cardinals do and have their fucking field come out to fucking get sung in water. You could do that. But no, that is true because turf is not good. There's Many players have said turf is not good at all because there's no give. And that's when you fuck your shit up.
0: Absolutely. That and another little quick tip. We was talking on this the other day. Kids fuck their shit up now, not even kids, even at, like, the collegiate and NFL level, because, like, I was watching uh, I Am Athlete, and they were talking about this, and Deion Sanders is a big one talking about this. Kids don't play everything anymore, and that's what I think is getting a lot of them fucked up, whether it's the basketball players or the baseball players or the football players, because back in the day, they used to play basketball, football, fucking baseball, and they used to be, like, state champions and all that shit. Dion, Bo Jackson, Barry Sanders, Marshall Falcon. Like, they were on state – Shannon Sharp, they were on state champion high school basketball teams contributing as well. But nowadays we focus so hard, like, AAU is a 12-month sport. Football, even in, like, the middle school, high school level, is not a 12-month sport between contact football and seven-on-sevens and then the camp tournaments. It's like, yo, y'all don't have a chance to cross-train because y'all train all year for this. So you don't work the muscles the way you used to playing basketball. And you don't – like, if you play basketball, you don't work different muscles playing
1: football. So these niggas be getting fucked up solely because they so tuned in. Hmm. That's going to be my question. I was like, is it just because – when you play different sports you're using different muscles and kind of get different motions in like, let's be real. If you're playing baseball, you're basically getting like months of rest on your body.
0: Yeah. Uh So much different like motions and shit. Baseball. I'm telling you now, if you want to learn how to catch, play baseball. If you need a receiver, go get a baseball player. Baseball taught niggas how to track a ball. The niggas with the best hands. I guarantee you were dogs at baseball, or you could make them an outfielder and they were a dog. There was a reason Dion was nasty at catching that ball, and he was also a dog at baseball. If you can track that thing, yeah, you can play football. So you learn that from baseball. They were saying, like, basketball, you learn how to fall at different angles and shit, which prepared you for football when you was getting hit and falling at different angles. Now you have niggas who get hit one time going across the middle, they fall the wrong way, or they jump to catch the ball and fall the wrong way, and they done broke their ankle, or they done strained their ACL. When you was playing basketball and laying it up or dunking through contact, you was always falling at different angles.
1: That's true. I feel like a lot of kids don't – I don't know if it's – I mean, I'm obviously not a kid anymore, but I feel like when I was growing up, like, people on the street would always be playing, we played like, every single sport. Like, you just go through phases, like, every couple of weeks. You're, like, I'm playing basketball, and now we're doing football, and now we're playing football – soccer, fucking horseshoes. Now we're throwing a tennis ball 30 feet away into a bucket to see who can get it first. Like I just don't know if kids get as much variety anymore.
0: I truly don't think they do. Because I was the same way. We was playing everything. I started playing soccer. We played football. We'd go hoop. We were going to the park and playing baseball. We were really getting it in. But nowadays, it's, it's the recruiters who fucked it on the recruiting circuit. Cause they'll start scouting fucking AAU players and not even just a, but basketball is the real one that fucked it up. They'll start scouting basketball players in like sixth grade and they'll have them as like the number one recruit, a five star in the class of 2029 (laughs) when they're in sixth grade. So now it don't make sense for you to play any other sport. I'm not going to risk you getting hurt, fucking your knee up when you the number one player in the class of 2029. Why the fuck would you already know that?
1: Yeah, basketball is not good about it. And, like, AAU just keeps getting more popular. Like, I mean, the only thing you could say could be comparable would be, like, the Little League World Series, but that's very different because that's a very small age group, and then you don't hear anything until, like, once they go to college and shit. I
0: agree. But There's a, a pipeline out here. For that fucking basketball shit, though, that just irritates me so much. It's at the point now where, like, their AAU coaches and college recruiters will tell them not to play high school ball. And that shit I'll never like. But I will say the niggas doing that before them was soccer. You don't know how many niggas. We live in Northern Virginia. My school, uh, Riverbend, they won uh, 2010, the state championships, and 2012 state championships for soccer. We had some dogs. But we also had, like, four niggas on our team at first, the first year, from the uh, D.C. United U-16 team. And then by my senior year, we had a freshman who was the goalie for them. And at that point, they told that nigga he couldn't play school soccer. It was the only club because they protect their investments like no other. And shit like that, I don't like. Like, you go to school with these kids. You have fun with these kids. Why are you telling him he can't play with his friends? Like, that's weird to me.
1: Bro, it's, if you think that's weird, it's like it's even weirder in, like, foreign countries. Well, they'll literally, like, send kids to academies, and then you just grow up playing for these teams, like. From when you're like super young, like seven years old, just playing the whole time, then go play in that upper level clubs and stuff.
0: Yeah, I do agree. That is weird. Um, I played fucking when I was nine. I played on the 12 year old team and I hated that shit. I was a fucking dog. I was also a big nine year old. <laughs> but like it wasn't it was cool because I was good. But like at the same time, like it's not like high school being a freshman on varsity. Twelve year olds not trying to kick it with a nine year old. And I feel like that's the problem with a lot of club teams. If you're good and you're like the 8-year-old on a 13-year-old team or a 12-year-old team, like, yeah, they like you when you're scoring
1: or whatever, but, like, outside of that, it's just, like, a weird dynamic. Yeah, I don't know. I never really thought about that because I haven't really played, like – I mean, played, like – I played, what, like, the, uh, like, 8th, 7th, 8th grade football, but I never really – did any club stuff? I mean, we had like a summer league in soccer, but it was like our soccer, like our high school team, did that in the summer. So it was a little bit different. It was just kind of casual. We'd be like fucking around half the time. I couldn't imagine like doing things seriously, like fucking worrying about potentially like fucking up my future money. Like that's a wild concept for especially a kid to think about. Also, yeah. But man, that goalkeeper,
0: that goalkeeper I was talking about who couldn't play for high school plays for DC United now. So they did protect – they did protect their investment because he was 14 on their U16 team. And they told that nigga he was not going to play for the school. But his older brother played ball at uh, – went to play ball at JMU. He played receiver for him for a little bit. And I would see this nigga out there. and I was like, I don't even watch soccer, but this nigga
1: is the truth. <laughs> Bro, my thing is, like, if you're a parent, though, and you were saying, like, my kid has the potential to make, like, big money – Hey, you're not playing high school soccer. I
0: don't give a fuck. Yeah. He kicked for the football team just to fuck around. But, like, yeah, there was no way they were going to let him play soccer.
1: Um, All right. We can wrap this thing up. Uh, let's get into some music and TV. Music?
0: All I've been listening to is Polo G's Rap Star TV.
1: I am still on a bar rescue kick ever since vacation. <laughs> Bro, I've been watching all the compilations. I think I've watched like almost all of them on fucking YouTube. Yeah, I can't stop. Um, fucking music wise, I don't know why. Sunday morning, I was on Twitter and it came across these two like seventy year old UK drill rappers called Pete and Bass. They got some fire. Let me tell you what they're spitting—fucking hot shit. I'm I'm here for it. I like it. Man um tv wise i watched like a 30 minute short uh shout out to joey badass called two distant strangers highly recommend it i don't know if you watch watched it yet but you definitely should i haven't yet yeah 30 minutes very i mean let's be real even with like the george floyd stuff like very relevant to what's going on right now highly recommend So, yeah, thank you guys for listening. As always, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It gets read at the beginning of the episodes. We greatly appreciate that. You can subscribe on Spotify. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook. Porch Talk, no A. That means there's no A in the talk aspect, in case you didn't know. Um, We're we're recording Friday, so correct? Yes, that's this week. Yes, sir. So we'll have a happy hour edition. Maybe we need to a trivia one, but we got to get people, so we'll see if that happens or not. Um, but thank you for listening. Shout out to Krug for coming on. Hopefully, Paige was here at some point, also. If not, she will be back. We are. I'm trying. I'm really holding off because I don't know if she 100% thinks it's funny or not, but I'm really trying to do a TikTok dating show. I just don't oh, know if she's down. But I think it needs to happen um but thank you guys for listening we appreciate you we'll be back next week he
0: boarding a house and i'm in a house boy boarding a house and i'm in a house boy boarding the motherfucking house boy and i'm boarding the motherfucking house boy 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 motherfucking house boy boarding the motherfucking house boy motherfucking house Dying in the streets, niggas riding in the streets. Try the police, then we sob and repeat. I done seen this like a hundred million times. Seen a white riot get a black nigga shot.